Heads up guys, hope you enjoy this episode with Miss Raquel Alger. She is a mental health advocate, motivational speaker, art therapist, an overround just wonderful person. I think you're gonna enjoy our conversation. Uh, she really, she's someone who I, uh, I met on Instagram and uh, you know, just, just networking with the podcast and whatnot. And she's the first person I've interviewed who actually has, um, you know, had OCD. So she's a fellow OCDian. It was wonderful to sit down and talk with her. Um, I found out that most of the time I did the talking. I, it was just one of those days where, you know, I get on these tangents and I just start talking. And then before I know it, the show's over. And uh, so she really was precious and she's just a really, really, really cool person. I think you're gonna enjoy the time that she uh, was able to talk. So I apologize ahead of time. I think you're, you'll enjoy this, the conversation that we had. Um, as you know, I had COVID recently, and I'm still kind of, you know, trying to make progress in a lot of different areas of life. Mental health actually has been a huge deal right now. Just, for, just trying to slow myself down, not trying to just come back out. Uh, you know, I've had to really manage myself, and so the podcast has kind of slowed down. I'm looking forward to hopefully cranking back up episodes and getting things rolling again. So, with that said, guys, hope you enjoy this episode with Miss. Said. <laughs> that said, guys, hope you enjoy this episode with Miss Raquel Alger. Like the real world, you have to confront it, you know, but you also have to like step outside it enough to stay nourished and sometimes uh sometimes i don't know like the difference or i don't know like where the where one ends and one begins and then you gotta try to do it at the same time you know i'm i've, I've had this new kind of idea where we have to live in a constant state of meditation to slow down slightly so we're like you know we don't have to withdraw ourselves from reality we can just um you know, kind of be and not be too intense. I tend to be a little, I'm kind of intense, man. I'm kind of a person who who approaches life yeah. in a very radical way. Cause I want, you know, I, I, I want to live, you know, I, I really want to get the most out of life, you know, but it's, there's a, there's, there's a point where being forceful with your life is it counteracts being, uh, you know, being fully yourself, you know, you have, you have to rest, you got to hold back and not be always intense. But anyway, how are you today, man? Happy 4th of July. Oh, happy 4th of July. No, meditation is good too. So yeah, don't worry. Don't worry about being late. It's fine. I was literally just like relaxing, scrolling through like TikTok. So it's fine. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So, so where, where, where are, where are you, uh, broadcasting from where are you where are you streaming from i know you're eastern time i'm, I'm here in alabama so like i'm just curious to know what part of the of the, are, you're in you you are in the united states right yeah yeah i am uh, right outside of queens new york oh very cool man very yeah. very cool very very cool man so man i've enjoyed interacting with you man you seem like a very very fascinating person and i you have so much to offer and say, and it's very exciting. I look at your page, and you know, I was very, very excited to talk with you. And um, I don't know, I kind of don't know really where to begin because there's so many different things that I want to talk about. But um, yeah, but where you know, yeah, you, there's a lot. Yeah, man. Well, I'll tell you what. You you start wherever you're comfortable, and man, we'll just put one foot in front of the other, and we'll. Uh, yeah, man, I guarantee you're the kind of person I could talk to probably for like days and we'd have just interesting things come up, you know, uh, 
I know there's a lot of, you know, it's weird. Mental health is one of those things where it's a very serious topic, but it's, mm -hmm. there's a paradox to it because I feel like it's like life and, and, and like in our, our I mean, mental health and life itself kind of, kind of joins together. And I feel like, you know, our happiness is a serious thing. You know, it's our joy is a serious thing. And yet people don't associate happiness and joy as being, you know, as being kind of silly, kind of being goofy. And yet the way that we approach our own happiness um, requires us to really kind of navigate this crazy world. And it sounds like you've had a, an amazing journey. And uh, yeah, man, I, so take it away. Lead us into the promised land. Uh, all right. So this show also is about how everything relates back to you, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And when we were talking previously, you said that some of my experiences uh, really related to you. Um, and if you'd like, I can just go and talk about, start talking about OCD and anxiety and go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, so like, let me have... Let me let me let me set it up for you. As far as um, I know, in my own life, confronting OCD, like for, I, for me, I had symptoms of OCD before I even knew it, there was a thing called OCD. I just thought I was insane. You know, I just thought I was like, oh my god, I'm losing my mind. You know, like, and I secretly didn't want to confront things. I didn't know like how to navigate my internal world. And so, um, tell me about like your 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 what I call your, the, the, our, our formative years and how you came to terms with understanding this part of yourself that, that unfortunately the world doesn't really teach us about. We have to learn through our own quest of knowledge. And so, uh, yeah, what's your, what, what's your general story regarding OCD? And You got it. So my like general story also involved me thinking what's going on in my head because I had no idea um the only thing I could think of is is uh that stereotypical oh my gosh I have schizophrenia type of uh feeling I um it wasn't until I eventually went to a therapist and I said like what's happening I have these thoughts they are not going away and um I'm not exactly sure I feel like just like stuck um and she was just like like take a breath she was just like what you probably have is OCD and then along with that I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety so that's what I was telling you about like how it was kind of just all weird how it, it was diagnosed like all at once and but I was previously diagnosed with depression now going back to middle school, but um, then I thought I was getting better. And uh, then a tr what can trigger an OCD like flare up is when something traumatic happens and you're like, like mm -hmm. you know, and my grandma had passed away uh, about like two weeks prior and my OCD flared up to like, um, I wasn't able to do anything. My great, like instant, like my, I just, I, my whole life just like changed. I, I couldn't focus. It was at school, at work, 
it was, you know, just at home. I was like laying in bed with my thoughts, like, and it wasn't cleaning OCD uh, because a lot of that could be also the stereotype mm-hmm. uh, uh, or um, I did not have a problem with, um, you know, germs as much. Uh, so mine was more of checking and numbers. I remember when I talked to my therapist after my grandma had passed and we were trying to figure out like and conquer like all these thoughts. And she was like, I just want to see how, um, how, you know, severe it is. Mm -hmm. And I had told her I was afraid of certain numbers. And I I said, I don't want to say it and she says can you like draw it out like can you draw it and I was like sure so I drew the number six and and uh so she's like I'm gonna knock on the table six times and let's see what happens and I started crying like she's like okay you have you have really severe OCD and um you know, it was, it was really bad. I, um, like the amount of hours I spend each day just being drained from my own thoughts. It was, I really hope people don't have to go through that. It's, yeah. and it's not, um, it's not always visible. So. Mm-hmm. Man, that's really, I think that this, this will be very fascinating to, to, to hear to hear because I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm in the midst of really doing a more detailed storytelling of a lot of, of my experiences and stuff and how I came to confront a lot of these things. And, um, you know, it's weird. I feel like in my own experience of obsessive compulsive disorder, there's a, this is just my own kind of philosophizing, but there's a, feel like we're all we all come into this world kind of wired slightly different you know we have a lot of similarities enough overlapped where we're not aliens to each other you know but there's definitely a way that we navigate the world that feels uniquely our own and there's an mm-hmm. a sort of spiritual or psychological appetite for a resolution inside ourselves and i feel like so much of the world and what's what's you know, the strife of, of, of the world is so much everyone trying to prove that their, their sense of reality is true and that, and that it's accurate and that, that their, their own world within themselves is of value. And because it's hard to, it's hard to really put the value on yourself unless you have to. When you have a obsessive compulsive disorder, we have, we have these internal psychological issues you're forced to address things that are underneath the surface and you're forced to value. Like I know when I started with, um, with, with certain therapy and stuff, I kept on thinking to myself, oh, you know, someone else needs this. I'll be okay. You know, I kept on you know, thinking that, that, you know, it's, there's someone else who has it worse than I do. And it's funny, like you can justify so much neglect in your life, but with that rational, with, with that rational rationale or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know 
when I first kind of started with therapy, there was that sort of rewiring of myself. Okay, how do I even approach valuing what I'm experiencing? Um, because essentially, you're you need to you have to kind of understand what's going on. But but that's the thing when it when it's when it seems like irrational, when it seems like you have these compulsions for resolution. There's this real uh, there's this real temptation to 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 judge yourself so harshly and to think that's going to solve the answer you know and it, and it makes it worse you know uh you know one of my favorite passages of the bible is where the apostle paul says that the strength of sin is the law you know the more that you say you know thou shalt not do something it actually feeds the, the very thing within us that that wants to do it or wants to be lawless and that was kind of that was an eye-opening thing for me because when I really reached bottom myself and I began to, to I, you know, that was really what I, when I began to, to, to really dig into, to, to really find answers to, to what this could be, even though there was a degree of, of help I was receiving and, and, you know, from, from different areas, you know, when things came to the, the spiritual area and the psychological kind of understanding both of those, to me, they both fed into each other. You know, I'm very into depth psychology and I, I love all aspects of psychology but to me ocd really focuses on i think things in, in inside yourself that they're not just things that you know behavioral psychology and some of the more external minded aspects of psychology address you know and um now i'm kind of going on a little tangent but just kind of setting up some, some, some areas that i want to go to but um when you initially kind of experience some of these things and stuff um, did you experience that harsh judgment? Did you experience um, kind of like an inability to give yourself sufficient grace? Uh, yeah, I would definitely say so, you know. Um, and because I was trying to stay like, um, I was trying to stay I'm okay. I don't need to go to therapy. You know, I will be able to handle this on my own. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I didn't give myself time at first to kind of just realize how important it was for me to seek help regarding this. Because, like you said, it, it's you, it's very like, you know, thought processing and internalization and the only way I was able to fix you know like fix it or work on myself was changing my thought pattern and um like the what how I can point out what thoughts were rational and irrational and because that's the difference between OCD and OCPD, right? Like OCPD is you believe that the thoughts are rational and then OCD is, you know, that the thoughts that you're having are completely irrational. Hmm. And then you have to say, I had to come and start thinking about what are my triggers? What, you know, and then, but also I kind of felt bad uh, if, you know, something triggered around me and I was just like how do I get out of this circumstance and I was just sitting in the classroom feeling like like I would be a burden to someone if I just had to get up and 
you know, go outside for a moment and just like mm-hmm. take a breather. Cause that's what my therapist said to do. So I would just sit there in like my, my like really, really like dark thoughts. And it was horrible. I mean, my, my thoughts, I don't know what your thoughts were, but mine, my obsessions were like, if I don't do something, my family is going to die. Yeah. So, you know, so many people struggle with that too, like with OCD. And I was just sitting in a chair, having like my family get murdered over and over and over in my head. And so it did take a while for me to say like, you know, it's okay, Raquel, you can go and take some time for yourself and focus on yourself because if you're not, then this is just going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a good point. You brought up spiritual uh, stuff because spirituality really helped me throughout the process. Um, when I was dealing with thoughts, uh, one, one way I was able to kind of ground myself is recognize the thought, realize it's faulty, that it doesn't belong there. Mm-hmm. And then I would just, meditate and go pray and that helped me it doesn't work for everyone but it definitely helped for me mm-hmm. yeah definitely man like it's weird one of, one of the one of the reasons that I really wanted to do a podcast is that even though I it's weird there's a lot of different dimensions to what I want to get accomplished with this stuff like I I wanted to be able to talk about these heavy topics, but in, a, in an entertaining way, like for me, this, to me, it's fun to, to plumb the depths of, of understanding and in human joy. And I feel like unless there's authenticity and a sense of one's own personal truth, tying to like a, a larger truth to me, real joy and happiness to, to me is impossible. You know, you're just kind of floating out there somewhere. And, you know, one of the benefits that I had growing up was um when i was born my family my parents were really going through a a real spiritual kind of awakening and kind of the the real texture of my childhood was kind of in in the in the environment and the atmosphere of of what they were cultivating and so to me it was very very normal like to uh so many different things you know I, i just assumed everyone you know, uh, was a Christian and everyone had certain beliefs and I would just go into the world assuming everyone, you know, just, just believe the same thing. And it, it was, it was kind of oblivious to like the complexity yeah. of things. And, but it was kind of beautiful, like, especially, especially later on when I got into music, like I just assumed every, every song was a Christian song, <laughs> you know, it's so, like, I, I would just like, immerse myself in a song and just 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 to, to interpret all the words as like aligning with my belief system and not have any sort of like I mean I was really naive but it was really beautiful actually and I mean I still kind of have that but now I'm more aware and you know one of the difficult things for me when I started having uh, obsessive compulsive tendencies the difficult thing for me is that kind of that realizing you have this false sense of security like you just think that okay how you know you're you have this sense of defect that you feel like is in you and, and you're like okay what does it you know you're kind of afraid to to approach this thing this place of discomfort and you because you don't know how far it goes you know for first you're like well man i i thought i thought i'm a a good christian kid i thought or i'm a i'm 
there's I shouldn't have this like you know does this mean that I'm not saved does it mean I'm going to hell does this mean that like or does it mean not that I'm in, does it mean that, that everything's bullcrap does it mean that like there's no God and that there's uh and thing is, all those are actually very, very good questions, and you have to sort of approach. But they're but they're terrifying. They're terrifying questions that, and that's why, man, I try to never judge someone who has like a different path of their of their life, and they're as long as they're bringing to to the the to my to, to the interaction or conversation, you know, an authenticity. They're really seeking answers because I can work with that. You know, I think we all should be able to work with each other. You know, regardless of what you believe or how, um, because I'm, I'm out, I have a lot of weird spiritual beliefs. Like I, I'm not, I'm not really, I'm someone who doesn't really, I respect tradition and I think it should be honored and should be understood. But at some point tradition becomes dead. You have to, you have to kind of say, okay, what, what, what does this look like within my, within my own life? Like, what, what does this look like when, when I, when I activate the real core meaning, you know, I, just, I don't believe in just kind of adopting something because you're supposed to, you know, and that's probably the number one struggle growing up that as I began to experience my own issues, there is that, you know, it's kind of like, imagine watching a movie and every time there is a tent, there's, there's a tense scene. You just want to fast forward to the end of the movie. Well, yeah. to me, to me, spirituality and religion tends to, 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 to do that. It tends to just say, you know, I don't want to address this. I just want to go to the end, the end of the book. And it's kind of like, well, the whole excitement and joy of existence is, is the tension in all these different areas of our life that we have to confront. And for me, it's, you know, OCD was something that was, I was, I was forced to confront a lot of inward elements that in the moment felt like absolute chaos. And yet, and yet gr grace was there, like, like to, handle everything that I was going through, even though I, I didn't feel, I didn't feel worthy of it. Or I didn't feel like I wanted to shield myself from seeing it because I was very, very ashamed. And, you know, and, and the more I've been able to be confident in my own human struggle, I realized my ability to interact with other, other people is um, tremendously strengthened because I realized we're all dealing with stuff. We all have our different version of the same story, but, uh, you know, there, there's, and so anyway, this is a classic Josh rant, but, uh, but no, man, like as, when you're, when you were talking, I just, no, good. yeah, <laughs> it's where I don't know sometimes when, where I lose people or where, uh, you know, or where I, where I, where I found their, their, their curiosity, but I'm curious to hear more about your story about how, um, now, what age did you first really experience, um, you know, like your, your first kind of obsessive compulsive tendencies or your first kind of experiences of this play of this, of this thing inside you? Okay, so I don't know if this happened to you, but since, um, like, if someone else in your family has it, then you're more likely to to have it due to genetics but so I like had always felt odd like thinking patterns I guess like just like I felt like my mind was always going you know always occupied with thoughts mm -hmm. like just there was never peace in yeah. my head and I just thought it was normal 
I was like, all right, I guess we're normal. So <laughs> then, or normal, whatever, but that's the only thing I knew, right? Mm-hmm. And so then I went to go seek therapy for bullying in middle school, but we mainly discussed depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, so nothing really was solved at that point in regards to how to deal with thoughts in my head, like coping mechanisms and whatnot with OCD. So then, yeah, so I thought all this was just like a normal thing. Like, you know, I can go and just live my life with it. But then my grandma um, passed away. That's what triggered it. Mm. Like had it flare up because, you know, like events can trigger it really bad. Mm. And yeah, so it flared up. I could not focus in class. It was, I'm trying to think of the specific, like, this is, I think, the one where I was just like, okay, I need to go to seek therapy Mm because I was in college Mm -hmm. and I was um, about to go to class and I touched the doorknob and I said, oh, I was just like, no, I said, no, not now, not now, because <laughs> everyone was like coming like, it's yeah. like, so I just got super anxious and I was like trying to find ways to like, guys, I think it's locked. I think it's like, you know, just mm-hmm. because it goes with like your obsession, then um, like your anxiety. So then you do the compulsion and I could mm-hmm. not do my compulsion because people are behind me and I just kind of just was like oh my gosh so I went into class I sat down and I was like I cannot so I left class and I just started crying and that's when I realized that I really need to figure out how to work with these Mm -hmm. these, um uh thoughts because Mm -hmm. they you know that they're rational right Mm -hmm. you know that you know that it's not going to happen and they're just really bad, faulty thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I also thought there was stuff wrong with me. Like when you're talking about, uh, um, I was always questioning myself when you're talking about spirituality and religion before I, then I started thinking in my head, religion came into OCD for me too. I was starting to think like, Oh my gosh, like, am I being punished? Like, what did I do? What did I do? Am I going to go to hell? Like, you Mm. know, like the devil's trying to like get in my head. Mm. And so it was just all these thoughts over and over again. And so I did, it took me a while, but it did work. I learned, you know, like um, how to recognize my triggers, what to do when I, you know, what Mm. they, you know, usually it started off really with numbers on, on uh, the board during math. And um, then uh, had to make sure, so, okay, all, so I was in class one time and, and they, I couldn't have one and zero next to each other because whenever that happened, my head, it was like, my family's going to get, like, they're going to get murdered. It was over and over and over again. It doesn't make sense. You're able to tell, you're able to point out that the thoughts don't make sense. You know that it's not going to happen uh, the way that you're seeing it in your head. And, but then I would just spend the whole class time on the a notebook I have to try to make all the numbers on the board not equal 
have one or zero next to each other or have a six in the answer. So it was intense. It wow. was, it was, it was, but I did, and then I went to get help and I worked on the, the, um, when I was actually told I had it, I was like, okay, so there's a name for this. Like, yeah. I, I kind of felt like relief, you know, in a way. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I was crying and stuff, but I felt relieved because I knew it wasn't just me. That yeah. I was yeah. You know, that's fascinating. I was thinking when you were talking about ones and zeros, what's really fascinating about that is that, you know, that's, that's used in binary code. When, when they do computers and stuff. And essentially it's a kind of a duality. And I think it's akin to life and death. And so it's almost like you, when you think about it, your mind would, would associate life and death to your immediate family. So the association of ones and zeros, life and death, loved one, family, you know, it's like you're, you're the immediate, uh, kind of resonation of that principle within your immediate experience of of your of, of your of your uh maternal or paternal uh environment mm -hmm. i think makes a lot of sense and it's that's a very very you know the human soul the human mind is very complex things and our associations it's very funny how our associations can can really stick with us like i remember as a kid this is kind of random but i remember playing outside and going to the side of my house and seeing where my family had thrown away some tomatoes and they were, they were kind of rotted. They were kind of you know, in the trash. And I remember smelling it being grossed out. And, uh, and you know what, to this day, I do not like tomatoes. Like, <laughs> I mean, I love, I, I love pasta. I mean, I, if, if you hide it somewhere, if, if I have it with a salad or taco, <laughs> I'm good. But when I eat it, like, I'll, I mean, I've tried, like, I, I mean, I'll, I will eat it. And I, and I, it's like, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm facing my fear. And it's, it's like, it's always forced. I feel like I'm, you know, it's just weird. It's where the mind associates with just weird things, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, the binary code idea, that was just an immediate thing. I thought I'd, uh, what, do you, what, do, what do you think about this? Does that make sense to you? And is that kind of, do you think there's something to that? Is there something to uh, ones and zeros triggering a sort of binary relationship with reality, you know, in the form of life and death? Is it that kind of symbolism is kind of overlaps with that? And then it would actually trigger the way you, you know, especially if you had a, a death in your family. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if that was before or after that, but it's mm -hmm. kind of, to me, it would make sense that it would, there's a little bit of, um, you know, resonating of certain meaning within that, which is kind of interesting. You know, that's very interesting. I didn't, I didn't think about that. And I'm, um, I'm all for symbolism also. Like, do you ever hear of sacred geometry? Not actually. This is, this is, this sounds okay. am, am, amazing though. Tell me more. Oh, okay. So sacred geometry is uh kind of focuses around the fibonacci code which mm -hmm. is like that which is also weird because like uh, did you hear about the fibonacci code yes i i actually i i've tr i've traded cryptocurrency and one of the things that we use is uh, is a uh, fibonacci uh you know um is the i guess the the, the fibonacci tool where we can kind of like see price and how it, it retraces and it, it's kind of to predict human behavior a little bit and it's yeah. so yeah, like for, that's 
that's the only re reference that I've that I've had, but I've heard enough from. I mean, it's so popular that people actually use it trading. So, so I didn't mm -hmm. know about that with trading. I just um, I taught philosophy before, and this was always a fun thing to talk about. It's mm -hmm. where like the it's it actually starts with zero and one. So it's like zero plus one equals one, then one plus one equals two, mm -hmm. two plus one. Like, you know, when it continues on like that, mm -hmm. but it's like the perfect spiral. That's how a perfect spiral is made. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would say if you're very into spirituality and interested mm -hmm. in that stuff, go check it out. It's yeah, great. absolutely, man. By the way, I, I love how you talk. It's like, man, you just, you sound like from the mean streets. You're like, I know what I'm talking about. You know, it just sounds like you're, uh, you know, man, it's, it's, yeah, you're a philosoph <laughs> philosophical gangster. That's what it sounds like, man. It's, <laughs> philosophical gangster. Okay. I like that. You know, it's funny. I have a shirt, I like that. I have a shirt that, that says spiritual gangster on it, actually. It's, uh, I, I don't know. Like yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that man. Cool. <laughs> you know, for me, for me, I see. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Carl Jung, the psychologist. And for me, like, there's a whole different. There's a, a a necessary authenticity that spiritual things need to be injected with in our era. And one of the things that he really believed in was how um, our religion in the West kind of lacked myth and lacked, mm -hmm. you know, and for me, for me, myth is, is one of the elements that we're lacking. I think there's all, there's, there's, there's a multi-dimensional nature to spirituality. And I think one of the big, big problems we had in the West is how um, I think probably as a consequence of the scientific revolution, we, uh, we kind of got a little too intellectual, a little too, um, uh, theology minded which, which which is cool it's, that you know i'm not downing that but i think we got hyper uh kind of into theology to where theology didn't branch out into the other into the other domains of uh of, of experience within, within spirituality and for me um this is where i really when i read uh, uh memories dreams reflections carl jung's uh memoirs he talks about having a very, very uh, intense spiritual experience where he he's like walking home and he sees this church and he's just taken so like he's just flooded with with intense appreciation of, of just of God and everything. But he feels like that all of a sudden this dark idea bubble up. He doesn't even confront it. And so he runs home and long story short for days he's trying to like not think this idea he's and he's at he's, he's losing sleep he's just like he basically gets ill and uh long story short he eventually he eventually you know is like now i think god just wants me to confront this idea and but he believes the idea is blaspheming of the holy spirit you know and so like but he lets the thought come and he sees the church and he sees like from heaven, a huge turd just fall and blow up the church. And like, you know, he was a little kid. So this is like a kid's idea of the of blaspheming God, you know? And, and he, but it, he talks about like in that, in that like ability to, to confront this dark idea or, or whatever this was in him, grace was there to hold it 
And he had this intense experience of grace and this, this trust that he could confront the darkest things within himself. And there was a grace there that, 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 that was there to hold it. And for me, like, I really relate with that because as, as I began to experience obsessive compulsive disorder, as I began to kind of feel this sense of defect and uh, I mean, for, for, I, I'm, I really, stifled it much longer i mean into probably into my early 20s man and like um you know finally i just start i just broke down like i remember after it was after like a uh i'm a classical guitar major and so after one of our recitals man you know it's your your plan and you're just hearing every mistake and it's like this you're in a recital hall where like everything is heard and being ocd it's like you already hear everything intensely and, and it was you know, and, you know, I said earlier how I think we all come into this world uniquely wired. And I feel like um, some of us are have a, a little bit of extra sensitive senses and stuff. And for me, like when I was playing and I was hearing all these mistakes, I mean, my instructor was like, that's the best time I've ever heard you play. And for me, all I could hear was the mistakes. All I could hear and it just finally just, you know, I had this kind of a nervous breakdown afterwards, you know, and and I feel like the standards that we feel, the this internal tension, the internal struggle that we have with OCD, it's there's this weird power structure, this weird hierarchy of our own sense of what it means to be a resolved individual, a resolved uh, person, to, to really be at rest within ourselves. And as long as we're chasing that carrot, it's always going to be dangled in front of us, you know, and the only time that we actually get to catch the carrot is when we stop chasing it and we just accept ourselves and try to understand ourselves because we realize that one part of ourselves is dangling the carrot. And when, when we confront that part of ourselves, we could just punch and take the carrot and eat it, you know, uh, not really, but I'm trying to be funny with it, yeah. but you know, it's yeah. like, it's a, uh, it's a weird thing, man. You know, it's a really weird thing to describe because it sounds so simple. And yet, you know, for me to, for me to say that to somebody else, that sounds so simple. So yeah, just do this, do A, B, and C, and you're good. And it's kind of like life isn't that simple. Like to navigate your own vulnerability and to trust that grace is there. I mean, there is ugly things. There, there I mean, there is, um, I mean, I really believe that there is, uh, we all have the capacity for, for anything, you know, and, but grace is one of those things when you are, when you're able to look at yourself, when you're able to, to trust that there's an unconditional love, I think behind, behind reality, behind this, I mean, we, we didn't earn our existence, things kind of exist unconditionally, you know, and um, even despite man's conditions of creating the chaotic environment, it's still in a larger context of things exist, and we weren't the first cause. I feel like everything comes back to this trust that if we can truly see ourselves and, and confront ourselves, these things don't have a control on us. But as long as we don't confront ourselves, then we become possessed by these things. We, 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 the, the more that we're, we, we refuse that we, you know, are, aren't fallen in some way, it's like the more fallen, fallen we become or whatever, the more that we become kind of possessed by our own darkness that, grips our ability to really be an authentic expression to love and to be i think our ultimate self um mm -hmm. so um 
So may I ask you a question? So when you began to, to go to therapy and stuff, man, therapy was a very slow thing for me. I wish I could say that it was a, um, I wish, I wish I could say that there was some amazing testimony of like, I saw the light and it, and it burst and it just changed me forever. You know, man, like spirituality and, and therapy for me has been what I, what I like to call a slow Shawshanking of my, of my way to freedom to where like I've had to chisel my way and, you know, at the same time, as you're doing that, you you eventually do have breakthroughs, and you realize that sometimes we're making it more difficult than it really is. And um, whenever you you began therapy, like, what was the process of you confronting yourself, and what were some of your big breakthroughs that you had? That's a good question. Mm -hmm. um, I liked what you were saying before about that you gave the example about like the dangling carrot and like how we need to confront our issues even though it's so terrifying mm -hmm. it can be really terrifying to do uh some more than others but yeah it can be very terrifying uh mm. but that was that was a good um that was good like example of, thank uh, you <laughs> yeah. uh but through my therapeutic experience i still see you know, I still see therapy today, you know, I still go and, you know, cause I, you know, I would stop going for a while, you know, after, after I gained my coping mechanisms and whatnot, but then I would, um, uh, it was a slow process too, for me with learning how to change my thought patterns that didn't happen overnight. You know, it was, it was actually one of the, um, one of the things that like the homework, I'll, I don't know if your therapist would like assign you homework, but mm -hmm. my therapist, therapist would say like, all right, instead of turning the doorknob um, 10 times, let's try to do it. Um, let's try to do it like five times. Mm -hmm. So that I used to do it every morning, every night, like it was bad. So, um, and I would do it to every door in the house before I leave, before I go to sleep, you know, it, it was 20 minutes of time. And so then I would do five and then I do five. And so I would tell her, I said, it was very difficult and exhausting not to do the normal ritual I had, but I did it. And so were there some fallbacks in, during the therapeutic process? Absolutely. Um, but then the important part is to kind of like come clean with the therapist and say like, mm -hmm. hey, you know, like I wasn't able to complete this task. I, mm -hmm. I still need to kind of do some slow steps towards mm -hmm. it. And, uh, you know, then we worked it out and worked towards it. And um, yeah, it did, it ended up working out overall. I think it took, I mean, I mean, in a sense, like I'm still living with OCD. I am like, that's a diagnosis that I have, but yeah, I, um, it's just all about how you deal with it too. And mm -hmm. I was able to confront it. That was, that was probably one of the hardest things I had to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I was telling you before about, um, one of my friends, uh, son who, um, went missing right in California yeah. and it was um unfortunately due to something similar due to like a mental breakdown and the idea of confronting that deep dark place can be 
so scary. And you, you just, it was because of a mental health um, issue. And sometimes I was trying to explain this to my friends. It's just sometimes you, you just don't know how to deal with it. And then it gets to a point where you want to be like lost somewhere else like else because that's the only way you're gonna find yourself like I know that's a weird way to describe it but uh that's the that's how I described it to someone like you you feel so lost but you can only find yourself by being like away from everybody and yeah it's just so if everyone can remember Dane Elkins that's his name and then uh, searching for Dean Elkins is the Facebook group. So if people can join, that would be, and then I have the information on my page as well. Okay. That last part, say one more time, I, the audio broke up a little bit, but just say, say that one, one more time about the Facebook group and everything. Oh yeah. Sorry. Okay, um, no, uh, the Facebook, uh, the Facebook group is searching for Dane Elkins. And mm -hmm. then I have my, it's and then on my page on Instagram. Okay. There's uh, information about it, but yeah. Uh, okay, good, cool. Absolutely, man. I'm really sorry to hear about that, and that's, um, man, that's something that, that I hardly know how to relate with because you know, man, it's like, like, how do you feel? I mean, I can imagine that, like anyone they feel lost. I mean, there's not, there's almost like a, there isn't a worse feeling than feeling lost. And I know when we're, I, I, I guess psychologically when you're dealing with like a disorder or, you know, you, you kind of, you have that weird feeling that you're lost, that, you know, there's that weird feeling of everything is just in midair and you're just in, and there's no way to, to grab a hold of things. And I think when you're yeah. talking about being overwhelmed, uh, I mean, sometimes man, if I'm, I'm kind of, I guess, an ambivert, you know, I'm kind of amphibious. I can be an, an extrovert, but I also can be, can be very, very extroverted, you know? And so, but I got to like charge, and especially with COVID and stuff, man, you know, I, re I really got uh, introverted. Like I really began to, re to read and write a lot and just dig deep in myself. And a lot of things that, that um, it, you know, it's, I did a lot, of, a lot of growth. And for me, that's a way of me nourishing myself to where when I do go out in public, I just feel like I have so much more to give. But there mm -hmm. is a point where I'm with people where I begin to feel drained and I almost have to just, I either one have to have to just uh, withdraw myself for a little bit, or I just have to go home. <laughs> you know, like it's re it's really something where uh, I mean, I wish I could stay out all night, and and I mean, I, I've done that, and I can do that, but unless I periodically just you know vacate for a second, you know, and just and just fine. I mean, I have to. Uh, I mean, my mind my mind is so fast and so. I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to give myself like I'm not trying to be arrogant. But I mean, my mind just thinks so quickly and so far ahead that I have to intentionally slow down. Like mm -hmm. just even the way that I talk, like I am really trying to focus on being more present mm -hmm. because man, I can get like, I can get a way ahead of what I want to say rather than just be yeah, present, you know? <laughs> and it's, it's, I mean, and that's the thing, man, is especially when you, when you've done work on yourself, when you, when you have, when you have experience, you have things to say, you know, man, some people don't know what to say in a conversation. For me, I don't know what to not say, you know, <laughs> you know it's, 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 it's kind of like, I, I, and the thing is, I think is that's like, that's 
I've now integrated that into my into my character. Like when I talk to people, it's like I can't. I hate being phony or feel like I'm being phony. For me, like for me, like my best conversations are all like confessionals, where I, where I just talk about my most embarrassing things, and people think it's hilarious. And like I'm like I'm, um, you know, it's it's now I've actually wanted to do a little bit of stand up comedy just to see, just to see really how. Uh, it's like a weird form of therapy because I can, I can kind of promote ideas that are, they're funny because they're true and they're, uh, but they're also powerful. They're, they're, they're ideas that people, you know, would enjoy hearing about, but they're in context to a lot of areas of life that are filled with a lot of tension and tension's a, a weird idea. It's a cool, it's a cool way of putting it because comedy is all tension. It's all build up and then you deliver in, every good conversation and every good interaction has like a little bit of tension, you know, a little bit of like, what's going to happen next. It's, that's why we watch movies all the way through and there's no tension. Like, okay. This, this sucks. This is boring, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's being out for me, OCD was a way of, um, way it forced me to confront my own like inward tension and mm -hmm. beginning to be comfortable with, with tension and begin, beginning to be, and you know, I'm the same way. I mean, I still struggle with things, but the more that I have been able to rest in some of this more genuine uh, states of being, or this 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 play, this way of seeing things that isn't trying to shield my vulnerability or humanity, but understand that's the gateway to actually bonding with people. It's the way of actually interacting with people to where. You know, when you're when you're honest about yourself with yourself, you naturally are um, just more likable because people are like they feel accepted because you accept yourself like genuinely. Like you're, you've when you've really confront yeah. confront areas of yourself where you have had self hatred and you finally accept yourself, it's it's a powerful thing. People can feel it, and and I it's a blessing and a curse having OCD because it's so it's so painful, and I think it. it stifles uh growth early on like for me like all throughout college man i was trying to like heal myself i was trying to seek uh you know seek resolution and, and find answers and i it was a slow it was a slow thing but eventually you 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 realize that man there's an area of yourself that you have to begin to identify with and it's the place where you are able to have the sufficient resources to look at the other areas you know and so mm -hmm. it's almost like to um, and there has to be a core to your life that brings every area of your life, you know, a degree of security. Um, mm -hmm. And as you, you strengthen your ability to, to confront your own weakness by really establishing your own strength and your own ability to, to build confidence, your ability to, to take on difficult things. And so I know with therapy and things for me, the ability to feel like I'm going into areas that are difficult, but I'm, I'm still, I can, I can let go. I don't have to force control. I don't have to force a false sense of security. I have security. I'm okay. You know, and to me, that's, that was a part of a lot of my genuine spiritual experiences that I've had. Um, and I still like, I feel like, I feel like there's a lot of spiritual problems that we have in, in the West and in America. 
and a lot of things that we're not adequately confronting. And I feel like in more of the mental health community, there's a little more of an honest conversation with things. And but there's still there's still a a great deal that I feel like we're still not talking about, but we're, 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 get, we're getting better and better. And I feel like conversations like this allow us to share where we have overlap and where is kind of really the beginning of us having a mutual sense of, of what's normal. You know, like we're talking about how, like, you know, what is normal? And that's a big theme in my, in what I, in my story. And, and I think in what I, what I like to talk about is, you know, how do we define normal? And, mm -hmm. And I think kind of finding that stability inside yourself that, that you're, it's your, your genuine authenticity, your genuine place of natural awareness that I exist and I'm here for a reason. You know, I have, I have unconditional value that I don't have to earn. And mm -hmm. it's, it's my personal uh, theory that OCD for me has been very much of a dysfunction of the ego because ego wants control. And so for me, like, for me, a lot of my early memories, I've been able to, to go back and kind of look at there were there were where I experienced the world without having to, to feel the need, the need to control it. And more yeah. I've been able to revisit and remember what it was like to, to not identify with the ego. It's allowed me to just to, to suspend myself from from control. And mm -hmm. um, I've been talking for like an hour. <laughs> but uh yeah so uh, yeah i i was just gonna keep going i was like man so i i guess I'll, I'll just say this man i know for me like with spirituality i have such a weird perspective with it because my own spiritual and psychological needs i needed resolution within myself i need i need unconditional acceptance and for me like you know i'm a, i'm a i'm a christian I have a lot of, I take it very serious, but I have a lot of, I have a lot of different beliefs that I don't want to scare people away with, but like, I'll, I'll, we'll say this, what I feel is very, um, the very popular notion of Christianity is, is, is to me, the, the very antithesis of it. it. It's the, it's these strong rules, strong constraints on human behavior, which if you read the new Testament, it actually says that the law is the strength of sin. When I read that, that was like, okay, you're talking, you're talking to me. The more that I want to, the more I'm supposed to do something, more strengthens my inability to do it, or, or you know, or vice versa. It's like, you know, OCD is kind of like I want to be this, but I, but I, you know, the thing that 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 I, that I would do, I don't. You know, it's a whole mm -hmm. Apostle Paul ordeal about the things that I would do, I don't do. The things that I don't do, I want to do or whatever you know and it's an internal struggle and, and, and that really gr grabbed me like by the heart and and and, and, I, and was like there's something here and for me the when you're talking about numbers and a lot of the things that make your own um that really was your own symptoms of ocd for me having uh this whole this this sort of spiritual transcendency of, of the of, of new testament understanding that the fulfillments of the law was something that christ was supposed was setting us free from essentially i felt you know and i still feel that whenever i feel the need to you know numbers or our doorknob stuff and all the other things i kind of feel like there is there's a certain rational 
rationale to it that I don't argue with because I realize that if I try to argue with this thing inside me, I'm not going to beat it with with rational ideas. I can't I can't debate OCD yeah. and win the debate. You know, I tried. That's what I did for most of my life. You know, but it's kind of like I feel like almost the spiritual side is like okay, it's it's it's, it's okay. You feel the need to resolve this but what about what if what if what's supposed to resolve that isn't your own effort what if it's re resolved for you mm -hmm. what if like it's okay to feel the compulsion and not have ones and zeros there's a sort of functional truth to your understanding of that that's kind of very abstract but what if there's a higher spiritual dimension to that mm -hmm. that resolves it that mm -hmm. if you just re receive that resolution you're able to not argue with it in fact you're able to say you know what fair game, you know, doorknob seven times, fair, okay, but I'll do it for you. And, and there's, a, there's a sort of trust in the universe, a sort of mm -hmm. trust in reality that's like, there's, there's, it, it's, you don't, you stop debating with the way that you feel. And there's an acceptance of what is the overarching kind of, uh, I would say, higher, higher spiritual plane of things that I think, is good to believe that there's a higher power that that that, that fulfills these obligations for us. Mm -hmm. Kind of get what I'm saying with that. Yeah, Again. acceptance is such acceptance is such a powerful thing in all aspects of life. Oh, and when you were talking, also I was like, oh my goodness, like when whenever I. Um, like in a conversation, whatnot, my mind's going all over the place. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can say this. That will that. Oh, I could say. Oh, this is. The <laughs> but then I'm just like, when? When? <laughs> I'm so <laughs> like, sorry, man. I was <laughs> no, no, no. This is how you learn. This is good. But what you said made complete sense to me because I would be in conversations, and like everyone would seem to be stuck on the topic, and I'd be like hey yo like like they would say one word mm -hmm. and i would think of a story like in the that that really had nothing to do with it but i was just like okay so like you said i have to i have to work on like and i have been mm -hmm. but then i just get excited talking to people like you about like spiritual stuff and like mm -hmm. all this and it just gets me really excited because mm -hmm. not a lot of people like talking about like that mm -hmm. or if they do talk about mental health, then mm -hmm. bringing the spirituality aspect into it can mm -hmm. be kind of tabooish. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yes, I appreciate that you talk. That's good. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, what you said before was acceptance. And that is so, so good in all as aspects of life. Like, you know, whether you're working on recovery and sobriety, what is one of the first steps? You have to accept yourself, right? You have yeah. to admit that you have a problem with, you know. So it's being true to yourself in that way. You know, you yeah. have to recognize, like, and um, and with OCD, you have to recognize and pick out, like, what thoughts are OCD thoughts. I was reading this, um, mm. this part of this book, and it was very interesting. It said, what would a person, like, if you're going through if you're about to do like a, you're going through an obsession, you're about to do a compulsion. Mm -hmm. And then one of the th things is like, would someone who doesn't have OCD 
do this compulsion. And I thought that was like, wow. So I think like the next time I deal with that, I'm just going to, you know, continue to be like, you know, I don't think someone without OCD would be doing this right now. So, <laughs> so that helped me. It helps, you know, kind of brings your like healthy thought pattern back. So mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a, you know, there's what I like to call structural truth to reality and there's functional truth. And I think, you know, there's, there's things that we believe about things that are kind of the map, but there's that, I think it's Stephen Covey that has this saying about the map is not the territory and our acquaintance with our own functioning self. Um, OCD is too often like a conflation, I think, of like trying to get the map right. And it's like when we needed to like to really stay in the flow to and, and go through things rather than go around or stop our momentum, you know, because uh, there's a lot of things that I find that when, when they pop up in my my in, in my in my in my mind or in, I, I see images a lot, a lot of times and there's a lot of there's a lot of things that in, in moments of weakness where I, I there's images that pop up in my in my mind. That are that are kind of my more trauma areas and stuff, and for me, like it's when I'm really when I'm not afraid of them, they lose their power, and when I'm able to kind of like trust my ability to to stay present and not be distracted. I in fact, if I the more that I'm able to kind of be, you know what, I I understand you. I'm not going to judge myself. In fact, mm-hmm. if if I can if I can kind of stay in that flow of that i'm not trying to hide it you know i feel like when other people can see it and if they see it they'll reject me and it's kind of like well that's my own self-rejection that's my own inability to to understand okay this is an image popping up because there's a vulnerability there's there's in the state of vulnerability it's bringing me back to this other moment where i felt vulnerable and Mm -hmm. and it's triggering that vulnerability and when i can just kind of understand myself and understand that I think a lot of times in our our early vulnerable states, we feel very helpless because one, people aren't, people can't get inside our mind, our soul and give us the adequate instruction that we need, you know, Mm -hmm. as good as parents as we can have, they they don't, uh, there's some areas they just can't really know us. You know, there's that saying about those that know, know you the most, know you the least or whatever it is, you know, and it's, and I think that can be very true. That can be a, a stumbling block to your real, you know, beginning, um, could be a stumbling block to your, your fundamental needs when it comes to blossoming as an individual. And so these vulnerable states that we have, they're very much, uh, areas that we remember what it was like to be helpless. But when we cultivate our own responsibility for ourselves and our own awareness, those, that ability of, of we're not helpless anymore. Because we we now are the we now are the adult that we that we need you know we are now like we have part of us is that is you know we're still we're we're still very much a child in many ways you know and but we are now the adult that can take all the good qualities I think of of childhood and remember what it was like not to have an ego bring that into a an, into a mature adulthood so we can have the best of both worlds we can have a rational um, multi-dimensional person but also have the life and the and the uh 
buoyancy of of childhood that we can kind of bring it into into our adulthood into into our maturity and too often i think we think maturity is like serious like you know, do life now you know and it, you know and it's and it's and it's to me there's there's kind of a freedom to understanding that kind of the societal problems that we have and and not judging people harshly but realizing that by us having to confront issues that are in many ways a result of of various circumstances including i mean it's, it's part of our own makeup but also there there's there are circumstances within society that that don't address our our needs our, our spiritual and psychological needs and there's reasons for that and understanding why we live in, in a time where the most important aspects of life go unaddressed and that's a real um I know that's quite an indictment, but I mean, it seems like to me the most important knowledge I've ever learned is is self knowledge. It, it kind of allows you to have the confidence to learn how to learn because you have like a reference inside you. You feel information rather than it being something you're trying to cram and then guess and then live up to expectations. You're you're living from a place that's much more. Uh, there's a world inside you that you're embracing and as you're embracing that world it allows in real time your experience to be kind of heightened and mm -hmm. um so yeah there's almost the there's there's all these different areas of our um i think the way that we are experiencing our struggle and, and, and still are and starting to come to terms and for me I'm, I'm i'm very much of like an existentialist you know i love you know the existential yeah, yeah and and because to me the this the that's the adequate amount of um value we have to put on our individual growth our individual recovery you know our individual maturity of of becoming the person that i think deep down we are and we've been kind of trapped inside ourselves you know and mm -hmm. i think having that sort of intensity gives us kind of like that a little bit of, of, of like a I, I would say like a righteous rebellion against the world to like <laughs> you know it, it you feel if you feel kind of punk rock you know for yeah. for uh you know for like yeah like it, in, in the in the most profound sense of it you know like I, I mean i used to really love kind of the ethic of people like kurt cobain and people that were like there was something angsty and 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 kind of pushing back against against the world in some way you know i mean i don't I know he you know had his own demons but like i know i've always appreciated those people that had a sort of ethic to like their their art and their ability to push back against norms and kind of kind of uh i don't have an attitude that was filled with the conviction of their own individuality and uh i know you're very much into, into therapeutic art and stuff and i i was something that i really wanted to talk to you about because all of these things kind of converge into so many aspects of life that i think come into uh confrontation with, within the arts and mm -hmm. you know i feel like the arts have really suffered a, a tremendous blow you know in in many ways i mean a lot of good art still being made i, I don't i don't want to diminish that but um i do feel like you know the more that we have ideological possession the more everything becomes political um the more 
the individual gets lost, the more the more the indiv individual value suffers. And then I think the consequence of that is you know, in individual malnourishment. And I think that's why mm -hmm. therapy and a lot of things are becoming in mental health becoming more and more uh, an issue in societies because everything is running on the antithesis of of, of individuality it's it's fighting against it and we're not willing to confront that and uh it, the individual arts is something where it's supposed to be about individual conviction you're you're really creating out of, out of the depths of your own individual makeup um but yeah i'd like to hear about your about therapeutic art and a lot of your ways of seeing things so i feel like all of this converges into ways that we express ourselves in many different ways and uh well, yeah. Let, tell me about about therapeutic art and some of your some of your feelings and you know beliefs or I don't know like your uh, tell me about therapeutic art. Will do. So I like what you're talking about before when you said uh, that you mentioned you mentioned something that made me think about how not one not everybody can benefit from the same exact therapy like mm -hmm. so each person is individual we like and how you were going about like like before about how we're wired differently to some mm -hmm. extent right so mm -hmm. not everybody can like go through a healing process with the same same exact therapy mm -hmm. so something that can work for for uh people is art therapy and I even do that <laughs> with myself and also what's really cool is when you incorporate breathing exercise exercises into art therapy and you mm -hmm. do kind of like movements with just like drawing your pencil and you close your eyes and then you you try to do how do you feel right now mm -hmm. then you do like a breathing exercise and then you draw how you feel and mm -hmm. it's different and it's just one of the things that I like to work with is a lot of Zen art. Mm. Um, it's very peaceful. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's basically just, or you just draw any sort of shapes, right? Mm -hmm. But as you're drawing, you're thinking about um, what goals you see in the future. So then that's what I would say. I would say to um, someone, just, you know, draw whatever you want. But, and then while you're coloring in those shapes, think of, you know, goals you have for the future. And, and one thing that I really liked also was, um, this is a pretty popular one. It's when you uh, have like a valley and a mountain. And so, cause we have low points and high points in our life. Mm -hmm. And so we may seem stuck at a low point. So we kind of just, what we would do is like draw, draw the, the valley and whatnot. And then, but the important part of the whole piece is to show the mountain side of how far we've come. Mm. And, you know, you can write in it or you can just, as you're drawing, you can think about all the positive things that you've done in your life that have, um, you know, helped you overcome whatever you we're going through and I like that's probably one of my favorites but also zen art I, I love working with um I'm very peaceful you put music in the background and it's just really nice and and really helpful especially um 
work when people are having hard time expressing their thoughts or also when you're working with kids it's nice to, to just use that in general but <laughs> yeah you know i'm i'm a guitar instructor or i'm a music teacher and stuff and like uh working with children and kids of all ages is really something that it's cool you can kind of you can i i enjoy trying to get on their level a little bit you know mm -hmm. sometimes i get too much on their level you know but like it's something that's been uh you know when you were saying working with kids it's almost like a there's something that we lose as we get into adult wor world you know there's there's what i call adultism you know that like is our yeah. it's that rigid kind of mentality that uh isolates us from a lot of the pockets of energy that, that that's in us and you know i really i really feel like that a lot of our society our religion our philosophy is way too hyper western now and we really crave eastern balance and you know when you're talking about you know zen and stuff and uh when i when i interviewed uh i interviewed a, a man dan hurd he, who he he runs a nonprofit, and he uh he basically he promotes mental health through through bicycling all across the country and he just yeah it's really really cool and super fascinating guy and he but he calls it that's a zen activity and you know and he was uh mm -hmm. he was you know he, he's a veteran but he really struggled with depression he had suicide attempts I and mean, it was really things were really dark and mm -hmm. you know he he kind of found that activity that released something and you know man sometimes i feel like when we're trying to find what's our thing it's like we want it to, we want something to be our thing like the idea of doing something and actually doing our two different things you know and yeah. um i know music was kind of that way for me like i i always felt like the idea of doing music and being an artist was one thing and then you do it and begin to do it and you realize okay this is much more difficult and and there's much more work involved and um that's kind of like the, that's kind of, that's probably the the cross that everyone bears as as an artist is that there's there's all this unforeseen difficulty and there's almost a uh mm -hmm. for lack of a better word there's there's a constipation of our inspiration of our of our life that we have to kind of work through and that you know there's it's not always just it comes out of us and we're just we're, we're we just you know you know everything works out sometimes creating is very difficult and it's in mm -hmm. in the process or confronting things about yourself you know when i first started with music um it was weird because it was right during the time where i really started to experience obsessive compulsive disorder and um it both was therapeutic but also was a, a way where i could hide it i could i could you know i could practice guitar a lot and mm -hmm. it it helped you know i would practice things over and over again i get better but i'd also sometimes let's say i practice something wrong or so let's say i get stiff in an area i make a mistake well the ocd would want to just do it do it fast again to you know to hopefully play it right this time <clears throat> again again yeah. rather than say okay i got, got to slow down you know rather than you know try to try you know and that's still like um you know we all have these you know, it's where we all as as much as we get so much as we get mature and grow there's still at any moment we have the choice to ref, to orient ourselves in a certain way 
that is in line with with OCD. You know, I describe it like this. You know, I mean, there's some people who have addictions where, you know, they they still have the number to their dealer. They still know. They still uh, can go to the store and get you know buy buy alcohol or whatever. For me, my addiction is always available, twenty four seven. My addiction to control, my addiction to to trying to force my reality rather than embrace my reality is always available. It's always right under being waved right in front of me at any moment. And the more that I'm able to understand that and confront it, like every day, my number one duty for myself for me is, is to really confront myself to where this, I, I can actually become one of the most liberating people to be around because I myself confront my own ability to, to, to be controlling, you know, to have a, a psychological tyranny, you know, and, and for me, when I put, when I have adequate, um, when I put adequate value on my own authenticity, my own genuine person, I then I'm not trying to be someone. I simply am, and I simply allow myself to be. And into the, in, in that context, I can talk to someone and actually appreciate who they are, you know. And uh, I know the last couple of weeks have been really busy, and I can you can feel like, oh man, I need to I need I need, I need more alone time, you know, and. And it's, it's, you know, the last few days I've been able to kind of get more of it and stuff. And, but for me, unless I'm really intentionally putting value on myself, taking time out to really say, okay, you know, this is my, this is my reality is this is because for me, my Zen activity is writing for, for me. I love just sitting down and putting one foot in front of the other to like talk about things. Maybe that aren't, I don't know exactly what I'm, what I'm going to say or think. But I, I just I start somewhere. I allow sort of a, like a torch of insight to illuminate one little step in front of me, and then I have another idea. And after about an hour or so, I have you know a rather long way of describing something inside me. But and after it's very very. If I do it right, if I'm not forcing my words or my thoughts, that's 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 good. What you're saying you don't you're not forcing them. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. And that's essentially the kind of the, the functional cure to to this because ocd it exists for a reason you know our pain exists for a reason it's like you know it's like if, if your arm hurts it's it's because it's because something's inflicting pain something's wrong you know too often we think pain is bad pain's very good actually if we didn't have pain like my arm could be on fire i'm like hey man so what's going on and you're like dude your arm's on fire <laughs> you know and it's we we have to pay attention to these areas and not think that something that something is wrong with us because we have pain. In fact, something's very right with us. The normal person is the person that has that has a, a disorder actually, and they are conscious of it because then they know what to work on. The uh, the abnormal person is the person that actually has an, a disorder but isn't willing to admit it isn't willing to and we're actually blessed with the opportunity to say okay i know that there's a name for this and i can now kind of address the in a general organized way and you know my, my issue and i feel like that's a very important thing like you were saying earlier about you have a, a name for something it kind of gives you like a, a sense of power you know it's uh 
it's funny like like in genesis like like adam was given like the 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 power to name like the animals and stuff i feel like the language is in a, in a very powerful ability to frame reality to be able to say okay this is a, this is a thing you know this is a bracket of existence that i can now kind of kind of refer to and i feel like i i feel like more and more we're, we're probably going to understand more and more disorders and and actually understand disorders that are it's weird there's the whole idea of trauma and stuff and even though i very like that language i do think it's, it can miscommunicate things because trauma we always think is like you know uh you know something intense that happens to us when a lot of times our pain is something that can be very gradual it can be something that we get used to before we know it our sense of normal is actually abnormal it's actually and then there we're traumatized because we realize that what the world is and how we are is different and so to me trauma the idea of trauma has good context but it's inadequate to really i think get into some of the details of our individual pain and all of our individual experience you know that and i think the more that we more, more that we have conversations like this the more that that the the psychological and mental health community i think can have genuine genuine conversations and the importance of genuine conversations we can become we can invent new terminology we can have new words new phrases and uh um and i have no idea where i was going with that so uh, it's it's your time to talk though because i've talked you know i had coffee right before this so i'm just like no it's, but you're saying great things though like did, about language did you ever see the movie arrival by any chance it anyway it's it about aliens yeah it, i think i saw that yeah i watch every movie about aliens like i i i love the idea of aliens like i <laughs> Did you ever see the Bob Lazar do documentary? You know, he's the guy that like found uh, or he, uh, allegedly he went to Area 51 to work on like a UFO that they have and stuff. And they were trying to get him to like get it to work because they couldn't make it work. Do you ever watch that at all? What is it called again? I think it's called, uh, it's on, I think this is called Bob Lazar. Jer Jer Jeremy Corbell did it actually. And uh, he's, 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 He's really big in, in, into into UFO type stuff, but the idea of it's really cool. Like I I kind of like the idea of being able to like take the most radical idea that challenges my way of thinking, and kind of like up my game. Like you know what? Let's let me see how I can navigate this. Let's you know. And it's anyway aliens. I, I'm I'm fascinated with the idea. And uh, but you were saying arrival. It's uh oh oh yeah. It was uh one of the themes um throughout the movie was kind of like it it dealt with like a language barrier yeah it was like how you're talking about lang language before and I don't know why I always think of the importance of language and how we communicate with others and not to make assumptions mm -hmm. and to uh and then you also mentioned something else before that you've been living with something for like so long that it becomes your normality. But meanwhile, yeah. it's, it's like, you know, with the OCD, like I just mm -hmm. thought that was normal. I thought that mm -hmm. was like, everyone deals with this, you know? Mm -hmm. But then, uh, yeah, then you have to go and, uh, you know, be like, okay, <laughs> um, I'm gonna try to uh, stop um, trying to 
fix this on my own. Yeah. um, Because I'm always, I'm like this type of person that likes to be positive all the time. And, Mm -hmm. uh, but then um, I had to realize and say like, it's, it's okay to feel emotions during this. It's okay to, Mm -hmm. um, when you confront it, it's okay that you may not be positive at this point. (laughs) Yeah. uh, so yeah, letting your emotions sink in is important too. Me and you need to have like, uh, lives on like on Instagram, like. Dude, totally. I'd be totally down to do that. We tell we tell you need to do that, man. Like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to 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 really to find people, you know, people to really help promote a lot a lot of these ideas and things that we talk about. It's, it's a help help a lot of people, you know, man. And, and I mean, I'm totally I'm totally down to to new experiences and trying to just encourage you know positive conversations that can we can open up i think a lot of areas for people you know and uh yeah man so let's let's totally let's 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 totally do that i think it would be awesome man that would be fun because we both like to talk a lot and yeah (laughs) have so many things to talk about (laughs) yeah no i know man i know i feel terrible i've i've i feel like I feel like I'm so, my mind's so quick and I've gotten to the point where um, I've done, I did enough meditation today that like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of lucid in my like speech and my mind. And when that happens, it's just like everything crammed up. It just, 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 just gushes out, you know, I mean, one thing that you were talking about earlier that I really thought was cool. And uh, maybe this is just my own interpretation of it, but like you're talking about how you always, had like weird thoughts and weird things and and i really feel like that's kind of a staple of just human vulnerability that uh you know that we come into this world with all these little idiosyncrasies of like how we perceive things and we we don't know we don't know where it overlaps with people and where it doesn't or does or whatever and our our, and our parents i can't help they have they they have the most awareness of ourselves to where they can kind of navigate what's what we're going through but still it's imperfect and like the times where we there's blind spots where we feel unseen and we feel mm-hmm. like uh you know there's there's these areas of pain like it's something i've had, I had i've had to come to terms with recently it's kind of kind of embarrassing but it's 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 an area where a vulnerability because um, you know, I'm a middle child. And so for me, I have this theory that middle children have like, they're more introspective because being within the center of the family unit and yet not the focal point, it drives them out, you know, away from the, you know, from, from, from the crowd or from, 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 from people. And because the, the oldest gets the most attention, but then the youngest is kind of like, it's like the bookends get kind of you know, in the, in the middle is, is, you know, tends to be less, you know, focused on. And so, um, but at the same time, there is an area of my heart that I've realized that like, I really crave being seen. And when I'm not seen in, in, in certain instances, like it really hurts. Like it really feels like, I'm like, ah, like in, I've had to realize that like, I've had to, feel that in my ability to see people and to make uh, I go out in public and I see like I went to Nashville recently and I I did kind of a social dynamics seminar and boot camp and we went out into the city it was really cool you know you just you meet you get back into just being a social person you're meeting random people and everything and 
but man, like when, when I, as, as I'm doing that, I noticed like people in public having a hard time. Like I gravitate towards them because I want to help them. And it's for me, like, I know what that feels like to be surrounded by happy people and to be unhappy or to be, you know, to, to feel unseen, to feel like you don't belong. And, and, you know, it's like when I I'd always like to try to help people no matter where I am. And because I really feel, I feel that I feel, I, I know what that, what that feels like, but, but, you know, it's a, uh, I think when it comes to our own vulnerabilities and us coming back to these things, because a lot of times I think are, they're the places of tension that we're covering up. And then that repression, it then feeds, it grows when we don't look at it. And then, and then it feeds a lot of the uh, rituals that we have, a lot of the different things that we do, because we're trying to keep the negative tension from taking over. And so the, the at least this is for me, at least like, it feels like a lot of my compulsions were ways of me covering up these areas of, of negative tension by trying to create in my mind what was positive tension that was more or less like a false resolution of myself. And so um, did you feel like yourself, did you experience any of this uh, degree of this sense of maybe being unseen or maybe even being uh I don't know, having these, these areas where instead of addressing them, you know, there was this need to kind of cover them up and help feed, you know, is, is that kind of your experience or like, I don't know, what do you have to say about, about that? Or is it, is that, is that more of my story or does that overlap with anything that you personally dealt with? I can definitely see what you're talking about with the middle mm -hmm. child. I'm not the middle child, but, um, I can I can see uh, that in the family dynamic. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but yeah, I you know I I do get like um, when I'm not seeing. Well, I'm like an extrovert introvert. Like mm -hmm. sometimes I need my alone time yeah. and everything, like um, and my meditation time and whatnot. But then mm -hmm. when I get out in public, I could just go and talk. But anyway. Um, but yeah, I guess you can say like, if I'm not, or, or like if people look at me negatively instead of uh, positively, I like my mind automatically, like automatically goes to like, what did I do wrong? Yeah, me too. Them, oh my gosh, I need to fix it. Like, but then um, I was working on that and uh, I just had to realize that not everybody's gonna like me. Like all, all I have to do is just be myself, be kind, be loving, and some people may just take, you know, my personality like harshly. Mm -hmm. I try not to, but like they, yeah. you know, they, they just may not, you know, like it. But um, as long as I know that I'm being kind to others and that I'm loving and and um, uh, have paul writes this uh he says like clear conscience pure pure oh gosh genuine <laughs> faith pure it's something along the lines of that and mm -hmm. then i was just like this is such a great way to mm -hmm. live every day with like a yeah pure conscience so i do you know what i'm talking about yeah 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 no yeah is, is it is it right where you're talking about like a having a good conscience conscience is, is that what he says is I know there's a few areas where he talks about that and it's a there's almost like a 
Paul's really cool. He has like these little Paul isms that like he phrases things. Yes, I love Paul. Yeah. Paul's a very interesting guy. He really, really is. Yeah. Really, yeah. Bri brilliant man. Brilliant man. And it's it, it's it's really a uh it's funny, man. Like I it's, it's very unfortunate because I don't feel like we get like the sufficient uh Pauline revelation like we, we don't talk about it because like, it, it requires us to think it's it's really deep and we all yeah. tend to you know it's hard for the from the pulpit for 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 preachers and teachers to like get into that and yet for me that that's that's what like saved my life it was like when I got into like the the details of some of some of that of just the the things that are difficult like, you gotta you, you have to challenge yourself and your ability to perceive you know spiritual things and that's the kind of the fun of it is is mm -hmm. reading things and saying okay what does this even mean you know and, and 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 it's i mean peter even says that paul's difficult to understand you know and and mm -hmm. it, but it's yeah but to me if, if you're not challenging yourself if, if it's not you know if it if if your spiritual or religious beliefs are just so easy it's like to me that that's that, that's a sign you're not you're not digging hard hard enough you know there yeah. should be a there's a point where you you find what, what you're looking for. I mean, seek and you shall find, you know, and I know for myself, you know, I'm still seeking in some things, but I know I've found a few things. And and I know that I know this because I used to be very uncertain about myself. And I know like when I meet people, and I, it's weird. There's this place of like natural confidence I have because I, I feel like I genuinely understand myself in some ways. And, um, you know, it's weird. So when I went, went to Nashville, you know, going out in public is really, uh, and just meeting people cold approach is really kind of, it's fascinating because I discovered in myself, there's, there's these areas uh, that I'm so harsh about on myself and areas where my own, you begin to realize that you have uh, areas where you care about people's opinion of you more than yeah. you care about your own opinion of yourself. Oh, that's such a good, oh, yeah. Yeah. That. So yeah. That's so good. No, and it's, it, I, it was kind of a, an illumination because for me, it was like, consciously I was, you know, I thought to myself, yeah, I love myself I, in a healthy way. I'm, I'm very, whatever, whatever. But then, but then when it comes to, you find as you're testing that and making a demand on yourself to talk to people in public. And, and when you go to reach for that place in you to, to, you know, talk to someone, there's different places that you can reach from. And you realize that there's sometimes you're, you're in, in, in a, there's an area that you realize, Oh, wow, I'm very weak here. And you're very, very ashamed of it actually. And, you know, for me, it's why there is a, some people they can get by with with faking it until you know they fake it till, until they make it with people i don't know but for me there's such a powerful frequency that when i'm aligned within myself you know i have such a you know like it's it really it i can really i really bring to it my own acceptance and i can actually really sufficiently and adequately connect with someone but there's also areas that if i'm not that way and I'm aligned and I'm, and there's an area where I'm, like I said, where I think I, I don't, I don't have sufficient self-acceptance. 
all of a sudden I'm, I realize, oh, wow, like I'm so stifled because I'm now valuing their opinion more, more than I value my own opinion of myself. I think it's, I know myself. I know the most embarrassing things about myself. And I, I know, I know like all the, all the dirty details about and all the messiness. And I can, I can honestly say after going through a whole lifetime or up to, up to whatever age I am, 24 adjusted for deflation, as I say, you know, uh, <laughs> as, as I get older, it is a, um, it's, I, what was I saying? I, I actually lost my train of thought for once. Uh, how you, no, uh, <laughs> that happens to me a lot. I know, so I know. Oh, yeah, I, I found it, I, I found it. I was saying that I, I know myself by now. I've gone through all, all the rough, all the rough history of myself and I know it more than, than, than I, but, and so only I can frame that to myself and only I can, can, can actually confront and actually, and actually look at it. And, and when I do look at it, I've discovered that's where my confidence is. My confidence is in laying bare the facts of, of my life and, and being able to look at them and not feel ashamed. You know, sometimes I feel like we feel like strength in life is uh, not feeling weakness. And yet I really feel like Sometimes strength is feeling weakness and not being ashamed about it. Yeah, it's not, it's not, okay not, vulnerable. Yeah, not not feeling guilty and saying, you know what, I'm a human being. I'm like, I'm vulnerable. A lot, a lot of things that happened in my life were not my fault. And there were things that I've had to deal with. It was the hand that was dealt me. And, and the more I confront that, the more I'm able to, when I talk to people, bring to it that frame of like, man, I know myself. And I, after not liking myself the longest time, because I didn't understand myself. Now I understand myself. And dude, I like myself. Like I, I really enjoy being Josh. Like Yay. it's, it's awesome. And in fact, I have to like, I, I enjoy it too much. Sometimes I have to force myself to go and, and enjoy other people, you know, and, and it's, <laughs> you know, so I, that sounds pretty really arrogant, but it, it's, it really is kind of oh, like, yeah, I'm not laughing at like, <laughs> that makes me happy and like but also like i see what you're saying like mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah that's good oh yeah i mean if i can't enjoy myself how can i enjoy you how can i enjoy anybody like i mm -hmm. my whole experience of the world to the prism of myself and mm -hmm. so um you know i think too often it sounds just we're programmed to think that that means selfishness that, that we're because we're such, such a self-consumed culture yeah. and there's this but there's a self, an adequate self-nourishment that we need spiritually and psychologically that that really bring to our relationships and, and our interactions the the healthy life and 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 uh, faith that we can actually build something in in our interaction and that there's something deeper than just you know words that we're saying like that it goes down into who we are as people and if we haven't already addressed that then it's, it's all like all an illusion. So for me, like, rather than try to sell an illusion to people, like my, I've have I've had to rebuild myself in a certain way that is all built on my sense of deep truth, you know, mm -hmm. and my sense of confronting reality. And so for me, that's, that's a very, it's a very weird thing. Cause it, cause I, I mean, I thought that's what everybody was doing. And then I go out in public and I talk to people and it's like, Oh, okay. I, I can't talk deep with this person. Like I, 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 they gloss over with their, with the look and it's like, okay, I have to. And that's why I'm trying to convert like my depth into being 
into some, 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 doing very simple things that contain that same energy. Like sometimes like just walking down the street, giving someone a random high five and just goofing off. And, you know, that can carry your depth. You don't have yeah. to talk about Nietzsche, you know, or, you know, uh, I don't know, like, you know, talk about Eastern philosophy and the apostle Paul to, to everyone. Yeah. You, you know, you can bring to every interaction you have a, your own awareness, you, your own conversation with that. Like it's the whole time you're, you're interacting with somebody else, you kind of have your own inner dialogue and you can, mm -hmm. be, you can, you can have that inner dialogue with yourself the whole time about the deep things to keep yourself aligned. And then mm -hmm. when need be, you can, you can give them a little nugget here and there, you know, but I think the, for me, the, the foundation of myself is, is keeping this dialogue going within myself and not necessarily having to having to live on that level with everybody you know uh converting it to a uh, to being to having the opportunities and, and having the platforms to be able to uh have my words count what i have to say count and you don't you don't do that by always being deep with people it's it's just it's, it's just being a deeply rooted person that gives of the fruit of of your own of your own labor within yourself and so and that, and that like i said that, that can be very simple things that, that throughout the day you're doing for people and that you're bringing to people your your fullness and stuff and so I'm, that's that's kind of like the new frontier i'm 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 doing right now that i feel like love that mm -hmm. that's great yeah man totally man so man well so yeah let me let me ask you as far as your um if you had to point to some of the number one or the top things that really helped you kind of confront your own, you know, your, your, yourself and and growing in your own, your own self-acceptance and your own ability to really, uh, to really begin to, to, to receive recovery and to, you know, like you're saying, you know, we're, we're still going through this, you know, we, we still have a, we, at, at any moment we can refer to, um, we can kind of we can be drawn to the the magnetism of, of our compulsions like the, the whole time we've been talking i've been picking at my 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 thumb because i you know where, where it's like i i it's a, it's a bad habit i have where like i try to smooth like if, if i have like a like a hangnail or something i'm trying to smooth it out and so it's oh, kind of yeah. like so it's like there's things where i'm like okay man like i can i can I can say great things and do and do things, but there's still I'm still working progress. You know, there's still cool yeah. things that I have to say, but there's still very much things that I can integrate and I have to slow myself down to be very, very intentional. And, you know, when I when I do that, I actually probably sound much more peaceful. I stop picking at my thumb. <laughs> you know, there's things that align myself and I don't have to live on a level that I think I have to live on. I don't have to live going 90 to nothing and just, just, you know, uh, I don't have to cram my, what I have to say into the tunnel of, of my interactions. I can rest and just be, be Josh. And, and that's good enough. You know, man, that's like, that's better than having something profound. It's more important to be a profoundly present person than to be a profound person. I love it. You know, That's so true. And it's really ironic that you said that because I feel like I am forcing like to go. I need to leave at three. Yeah. But um. 
but <laughs> that was just so, it was like what what you're saying before is you said profound you said what is it profoundly yeah i said like to, to be profoundly <laughs> present is more important than to be or to be a profoundly present person is more important than to be a profound person i love that i love that <laughs> that is so true that's why we need a part two of this so we, we do we do man and, and i'll let you talk next time <laughs> no, you don't understand i love hearing people because i there's so much important discussion and also mm -hmm. like because i'm a teacher i'm talking all the time mm -hmm. and i wish like there'd be more participation but it's also like like uh sometimes you know i would just i have to you know keep on teaching but mm -hmm. but discussion is so important i love listening mm -hmm. i love it seriously uh like that's how you learn from listening to one another and i'm so mm -hmm. grateful that you're talking really i learned like yeah. so much about I'm oh man well, thank you so much, man. I cer well, I've cer I've certainly had a lot to listen to. It's <laughs> you know, it's yeah, man. And it's it's weird though, man, because I realize in my own, it's weird, man. I find that my ability to have something to say is has been contingent on really listening to the voices that I've that have inspired me, like really immersing myself, like in the New Testament, reading people like Carl Jung people like GK Chesterton that had a really interesting way of looking at things and really listening to what they have to say and being able to, a lot of my best ideas are really a kind of a culmination of being able to kind of just listen to my own experience of myself. And so for me, I'm working on linking that with, you know, realizing the same process exists in other people. And so a lot of times, man, the, the, the cool things that I have to say are kind of the, it's other people are, are the catalysts, catalysts of it. You know, it's, it's listening to what, to what your experience is triggers these things naturally that come up to where, you know, I'm excited. I and mean, there's something about, there's something so cool about, about the nature of, of human interaction that when two people see something similar, similarly, <laughs> yeah, like in sync like yeah there's there's it's like a subtle miracle ha happens it's like it's like for two yeah. people to see something similar like it's we know there's something valuable there like there's something important and it's you know it's almost like when there's a weird movie or a weird band that you listen to and you find someone else listens to it or seen it too it's like oh man this is awesome you know and you know and like you it's just a weird it's a weird thing it's like the instead of taking for granted like our similarities like we should appreciate them because i think when we when, when we do that and when we do that and with with obscure things like we know that there's a i don't know a heightened experience that we're all mutually having of, of the of this world um mm -hmm. but yeah man did you have to leave at three did you, did you have to yeah. uh okay man well dude let's definitely this was amazing and i uh like dude you what you have to say i love how you bring to this conversation such such an amazing like vulnerability and humility and it really uh i think it really helps it really helps me kind of be in the presence of a, a humble frequency that kind of allows me to sort of let go and that's why i have so many things to say because it's almost like when i when i feel like i, I really am able to let go naturally there's all this stuff that just i have to say that comes out and i'm 
not even trying to say it. It just, just happens to bubble out, man. And so mm-hmm. let's let's stay in touch. Let's definitely do this again. And uh, yeah. dude, let's do it. Yeah, cool, I man. just next next time if you'd like, I can have you on a live. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, it's it's uh three by you. Like I mean, it's two by you, right? So yeah, yeah like, I'm I need to leave, but yeah, next time like on a live that I do, can mm-hmm. I ask you questions? Like when I put it on. I have so much questions for you. Dude, you be okay with talking. Yes, yes, <laughs> we can do a deep dive, and I I will go as, as deep as you want to go, man. Like I'm I'm willing go, I'm willing to go to, to to the depths of of Hades, you know, because uh, it's I mean that's that's the thing, man. People people have to people. It's the only way that you can inspire people is that you have to lead by example. You know, you have to be able to go to places. And I know my, my podcast. I'm trying to ease into some of these darker areas. Because I, I just want to immediately go into like weird places and I don't want to scare people away, but people yeah. need honest conversation. They're inspired by it. And I feel like mm-hmm. as we get, you know, as we, as we become recovered individuals and grow in our recovery, I feel like we have to lead by example. And so, man, I'd be honored to do that. And uh, it's been, it's, that would be fun. yeah, man, it's an honor to, to, to know you and, and to talk with you and let's, uh, yeah, man, this is just the beginning. Let's 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 stay in touch and, and set something up again real soon. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, you have been a pleasure to talk to. I oh really man, appreciate your spirituality and Carl Young, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, you brought that up before. I was like, oh, wow. So uh, yes, I will go because I like you know I was talking about my process like I was just like oh I gotta talk so much about that but (laughs) I'm just like big book right anyway Mm -hmm. so I will go and we'll keep in touch yeah and we will continue on absolutely the pleasure's been, been all mine